magic happens when you're outside of your comfort zone. Nothing magical ever happens when we are playing it safe. It's just not, we, we as humans are designed to challenge ourselves and that's where we grow, that's how we grow. And so every time you think, oh, this feels a little scary. I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. What if I make a fool of myself? Oh my goodness, what am I doing? How do I do this? That's almost you knowing you're doing the right thing. Hi, this is Julie Hyde. Thanks for joining me on Making It Count, a podcast dedicated to inspiring leaders and business owners to be even better leaders, to create a great culture, empower their people, and be more productive. So let's get into it. Gian Rooney is my guest today. Gian is an Olympic gold medalist and holds medals at every level of competition. The former darling of Olympic swimming, Gian retired in 2006 to forge a successful career as an Australian TV presenter. Gian's memorable smile and ability to engage are almost trumped by her enormous energy for work. And a depth speaker and presenter, Gian is a person of enormous talent and professionalism. Jan's high-profile broadcast involvement with Channel 7 has included the Brisbane News Team, 2018 Commonwealth Games, 2016 Rio Olympics, Australian Open Coverage, commentator for the Australian Swimming Championships and presenter on the House of Wellness. Jan had previously spent years with Channel 9 where she was involved across a range of shows including co-anchor of the Wide World of Sports. Jan is a fierce competitor and very driven, um, and she's also such a warm and authentic person who has a natural ability to engage and leave a lasting impression, which is what I experienced when I met her. I wanted to tap into her incredible success, and boy, did we have a wonderful discussion. There are so many gold nuggets in this podcast that you can apply to all areas of your life. Some of the things that we chat about is Gian's swimming achievements and what drove her to succeed, her defining moment that enabled her to retire at the right time and embrace her achievements, her transition into the media and some sound advice that she received, why being uncomfortable is where you will create your magic, and Gian's life now that... Um, COVID-19 has significantly interrupted her life and pretty much turned it on its head. So I think you are going to love listening to this as much as I loved chatting to Gian. Enjoy. Gian, it's so awesome to have you on the Making It Count podcast today. Thank you so much for joining me. Absolute pleasure. I always love having a chat to you. <laughs> and I'm so beginning to jump into this and chat about you and, you know, specifically your success and your authenticity, but also talking about life post this uh, pandemic that we've been experiencing. So shall we jump into it? Absolutely. We, we could be recording and talking for hours though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so much to talk. Yeah. <laughs> totally. So, Gian, I know you really don't need uh, too much introduction, but I would love you to just tell us a bit about you and how you've landed to where you are today. But I'm really keen to know, was it always your dream to be an Olympic swimmer when you were little? It actually wasn't. Uh, I look back at my life and how I came to be where I am now and 
probably the best way to describe it is that movie with Gwyneth Paltrow called Sliding Doors. Oh, yeah. You know, it is like if all these things, if I look back and I go, if this didn't happen, then that wouldn't have happened. And if this didn't, if someone didn't say this, then that wouldn't have gone down that path and then that for that wouldn't have happened. So um, I think the best way to describe it was I grew up in Queensland, uh, surrounded by water. I learnt to swim as a baby, loved it but never really thought much of it. And then I was 11 and I was at my primary school swimming carnival. I happened to do pretty well and a friend of mine said, you should come and join my swim club. And I said, that sounds good. I'll ask mum and dad, but otherwise, yay. And so it really started very organically. I started off two days a week. I loved it so much. I begged mum and dad to go three afternoons a week, etc., etc. And um, I certainly didn't have success in those early years, but I learnt very quickly that I was super competitive in that field. And so I used to uh, I used to swim in the summer, play netball in the winter. I loved my netball. And yeah. uh, I think a defining moment for me was I distinctly remember being 13 years old and I had managed to make the Queensland State titles, so uh, the uh, South East Queensland regional team to compete at the Queensland State titles. And uh, my beautiful family because it is a whole family affair school holidays packed up the car drove to townsville we took three days to get there wow. <laughs> drove to townsville from the gold coast and uh i competed in the 50 backstroke as a 30 as a 13 year old and i didn't even make the final i finished 13th in the state and i was not happy with that is probably the nicest way to put it i was yeah. I was really upset about that. And my mum said, well, darling, all these other girls have been training for a lot longer than you and they train a lot more than you. So if you don't like it, there is something you can do about it. And that was, I guess, my first light bulb moment when the first, I think, you know, tick happened where it was like, okay, right, I've got something I can do about this. And so I went home and I trained really hard. And then at the age of 14, uh, I, I... did pretty well for an age group swimmer and uh, my swimming coach at the time Dennis Cottrell sat me down and said look you've got a lot of talent you've got you can do a lot in this sport but you have to dedicate yourself to it now this is a young person's game and so at the age of 14 I didn't want to but I gave up my netball and I started doing morning training and that was a family discussion uh, again around the dinner table and it was my dad that said look gee I think you know, you can always come for my, for my the way that I look at it. You can always come back to netball. Netball is a sport that you can play well into your adult years. You can do it socially at the other end. Whereas swimming is a sport that if you want to have a crack at it, you've got to do it now. It seems mm. to be a very young person's game, and you've got to dedicate yourself to it at a young age. So why don't you have a go for twelve months, put everything into it, and then if it doesn't work or you don't like it, you can go back to netball. And I thought that sounds pretty good that sounds rational let's do that so all of a sudden um was all into swimming and I had success off that formula very quickly so I I made my first Australian team at the age of 15 and it was the Commonwealth Games team that was going to Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia and uh I was very fortunate in a way and this is one of those sliding doors moments again where they didn't need to take me on that team. I I came third in the 100 backstroke and they only needed to take or their discretion is to only take first and second place. But because it was a Commonwealth Games team, they did have allowances for uh, extras, if you like. 
And uh, given my age, they thought it would be great experience for me to go away and compete overseas as part of the Australian swim team and to give me, to give me that experience. So no one expected me to do anything over there. And I, so, so many things happened on that trip. Um, I got to room with Susie O'Neill, my idol. I, wow. So I got to, I got to learn and watch and uh, and grow and ask questions from the best in the business uh, mm-hmm. who's waking up in the bed next to me. Uh, yeah. I learnt, you know, I sat down on the bus on our first camp next to Kieran Perkins. It was the only seat left on the bus. And he was like, hello, Gian. I was like, oh, my goodness, you know my name. <laughs> Kieran Perkins knows my name. Um, you know, and so I had been very fortunate to train with Grant Hackett, Daniel Kowalski, these mm. incredible athletes, but, uh, you know, all of a sudden being surrounded by these people that I had held up as, as heroes, um, and were almost an enigma, all of a sudden I'm in the same pool, pardon the pun, you know, yeah. as these people. And that was just a defining moment. It was like, right. I knew that I loved this. I knew that I wanted to, uh, see what I could get out of myself. But now I am on the Australian swim team and I want nothing more than to totally dedicate myself to this sport to see what I can do. I don't ever want to not be a part of the Australian swim team. So that was the first defining moment in my life. And Mm. it's, uh, it's, there's so many stories out of my swimming career that, um, have really shaped who I am because it's amazing how many, I think, direct connections out of sport and especially sport at that elite level come back to business and come back to knowing your strengths and weaknesses like nothing else can and and having to be really honest with yourself about what you're good at and what you're not good at because in in especially in sport knowing what you're not good at is really where you grow and where you can get better so mm. you need to be accountable to those weaknesses because that's what you need to work on more than anything mm. else. Mm. And so having things that aren't quite right or that I'm not very good at have never been a fearful thing for me. They've been something to work on and grow from. Mm. So um, I think that's where I started. And uh, as I said, sliding doors moments of yeah. of where I've gone in my life, but been retired over 14 years and uh, have not swum a lap in over 14 years. So I guess the best way to describe it is incredibly grateful for my swimming career, but do not miss it at all, which is a pretty yeah. healthy place to be. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's so it's it's incredible like that story where you had obviously your mum gave you the the you know the power of choice there. It's like well you can do something about it and you chose to and within 2 years you've achieved such incredible heights which yeah. is fairly quick. In, it um, is, yes. And I think it's um, probably important to know, I don't know if it's a thing I particularly like about myself, if I hadn't have had success early, if it hadn't turned around that quickly, I might not have stuck with it. Hmm. So I have a lot of respect for people that toil away for long period, like years of their life towards yeah. a goal. Because yeah. um, I'm very quick to say that that early success, that, that, that trade-off of hard work, equaling success that a plus b equals c equation i needed that to work early otherwise i might not have stuck with it so i'm happy to say that uh you know that is that is something in myself that i need to see it pay off relatively quickly but Mm. once it's there the bug has bitten the addiction is real and then i'm all in 
Yeah, love it. Was there a time while you were going through that? Because, I mean, the training for swimming is grueling. And like I say, the early mornings and then you're back at night as well. You're just looking at that line and, you know, it does take some fierce determination and commitment and resilience. So is there a time during your successful um, career that you were tested? Oh, That you absolutely. sort of went, yeah. <laughs> um, how long have we got? <laughs> that, that is, again, uh, I think it's fair to say that, that swimming is a, a fairly brutal sport. And I say that it's on a number of factors. Um, the first thing is that I, I kind of summed up my training schedule and it was six to seven hours a day, six days a week, 50 weeks of the year for 12 years of my life. So, wow. uh, you know, when you put it into those kind of facts and figures, it's certainly the worst thing that anyone could have said to me during that time was, oh, it's just a sport. And I'm like, no, at this level, this is my whole life. This is every, not only every waking moment, this is every sleeping moment yeah. that is going into me trying to get the best out of myself, not at the next competition, at mm. the next training session. Because yeah. every training session that I'm not doing at 100% is a training session that a competitor somewhere else around the world is doing at 100%. And mm. in a sport that is won and lost by, in some cases, one hundredth of a second, the cruelest margin in sport, there's no grey area. It's black and white. And mm. when those margins are in play, as I said, every waking moment and every sleeping moment is important. Mm. The other thing to consider in swimming is that, um, again, being very honest, I was an athlete that loved racing. I loved competing. That's what I was in it for. I was in it for those moments where I got to prove to myself and to everyone else how much hard work I had done by getting up on the blocks and putting together the best race I possibly could and saying where I got my confidence from was knowing that I had, in my head, done more work than anyone else. I needed to know that I had crossed every T and dotted every I possible so that there was no shred of doubt in my mind when I got up on the blocks that I was worthy of winning that race, that I could compete with the best in the world at that yeah. time. And so it is brutal on that on those factors. It's also brutal in the fact that you cannot change your scenery. It's one of the only sports that you cannot change your scenery, that cross-training doesn't work for us because we as humans are not really meant to swim. We're meant to run. We're land animals. We're not meant to swim. Um, our bodies aren't designed to swim like a fish or a dolphin or anything like that. So mm. every Monday, a great way of explaining this is, as I said, my last session of the, day, of the week used to be on a Saturday. We would have Sundays off. And we were back in the water first thing on Monday morning. And every Monday morning of my entire career, I would feel like I was starting again. We have a saying, it feels like a hot knife through butter. It felt like I couldn't hold the water. I didn't feel strong in the water. So every Monday morning of my entire career was a struggle. And that's after 24 hours out of the water. So that's the reason why we don't cross-train. That's the reason why we don't have huge breaks in the year. It's the reason why we do so many sessions and spend so much time in the water because there's no other way to get that, that fitness um, mm. of that energy system except to swim. So 
it doesn't matter where you are in the world. It doesn't matter where the pool is located in the world. A pool is still <laughs> a pool. Yeah. It is, still has the same dimensions. It still has the same black line, lane ropes, tiles or whatever it is. So it could not matter if you were in the most visually spectacular place on earth, you are still seeing the same thing as if you're in a concrete bunker pool at the, at the bottom end of the world. So not being able to change your scenery means that it is very much like Groundhog Day. It's very monotonous. Even though the training sessions, you never get a chance to get bored, your visual and your your climate around you is exactly the same every day. And that's probably the hardest thing that I struggled with. Um, I've always said if I could be like a, a footballer who got to play and do the part of their sport that they loved, as in compete every weekend and get that high every weekend, I'd probably still be the age I am, 37 years old, and still trying to make the Australian swim team. But given that I only got to do the part that I loved at the highest level twice a year, so the Australian Championships and then the Major International of the Year, twice a year, that's a long time doing the part that I didn't like so much, as in the training, to get to do the part that I loved. So... Mm -hmm. That's the reason physically for a lot of us, we can keep going a lot longer than we do. Mentally, we struggle with the monotony. Yeah, I can imagine. And so the challenge is to really focus your mindset on the end goal constantly, Mm -hmm. isn't it? It Which can be months away. Exactly. And then I had to learn also how to break break that big Mm -hmm. goal down into almost, um, almost hourly goals when I was in training yeah. because there you know there were so many days where I did not want to be there there were days especially towards the end of my career where I would say to my coach I it's not that I'm lazy it's not that I don't want to push myself physically it's that I just don't feel like getting wet today I just don't want it I'll go for a run I'll go to the gym I will do anything that physically that I want I just don't feel like getting wet And, you know, when you are in a pool for six hours a day, your hair never dries. It's constantly wet. So you're constantly reminded of it. You smell of Mm. chlorine all day, every day. So you're constantly reminded of it even when you're not doing it. So (laughs) So you can't get away. You can't get away from it. You can't escape it. It's um, it's part of your being. But, uh, you know, that and that for me was the mental challenge of training was always far harder than the mental challenge of racing Mm. and that can be different to every athlete but I knew that um, racing was the part that I loved so I knew what to do there I knew how to get myself in the right psyche whereas Mm. dealing with the monotony of training was actually my hardest goal yeah I can imagine I love what you said before around um, that what gave you confidence in standing up on the blocks was that you knew you'd done more than anyone else yes um so it sounds like you finished your swimming career at the right time for you because the the (laughs) want to get back in the pool wasn't there for you so the transition into media where you're going from something that was incredibly structured that you Mm -hmm. could absolutely prepare for knew what you had to do at what time and then you jump into media which (laughs) is something where you really have to think on your feet and be really agile and respond to what's happening around you and the comments that are coming at you which you can't really predict 
So exactly. how did you find that, that transition? It's funny. I look back now and I'm, I'm, again, sliding doors and timing in my life has been incredible. And the timing of me retiring from swimming could not have been at a better time. Yeah. And I probably need to explain that in a way that I, I think the elements of retirement for an athlete are so incredibly important because mm. if they're right, if it's the proper decision made from the proper place at the proper time, transition can work really well. But yeah. you, if you get one minute component of that transition wrong and it can spiral and lead into a domino effect even years later down the track. So for me, I was 23. I had six months out of retirement. I had a light bulb moment where I was training for the Commonwealth Games, which were uh, in 2006 and held in Melbourne, which I was li- where I was living and training at the time. So a home Commonwealth Games, which was um, just amazing to be a part of. I'd been so fortunate to be a part of Sydney Olympics in 2000 and uh, then again to be a, a home Commonwealth Games in 2006. But it was six months out of Commonwealth Games. As I said, I was 23 years old. And I had a light bulb moment during my training session where I realized for the first time I was proud of myself. And that sounds really strange. But as I said to you before, when in this sport where you're only as good as your next competition, and it's almost you are constantly trying to prove to yourself and to others that you are that the that that bit of success wasn't a fluke that you weren't you know that it, it wasn't just a one off so oh. like a lot of things your initial success is almost the easiest one but trying to stay at the top is so much more significantly harder um mm. consistency is is so hard because there are new players coming into the game all the time there are you know injuries to contend with motivation issues to contend with um, illness, all these factors that come into it that, um, you know, to stay at the top of your game year after year is incredibly difficult. So it was the first time that I actually took stock of what I had achieved in my career and I realised I was proud of myself. And I looked back and I thought, two Olympics, um, an Olympic gold medal, uh, two individual world championships uh, at two different world championships, I'd won a gold medal at every level of competition and medaled at every level of competition. And I realized I was proud of my achievements. And I also realized in that moment that was another one of those achievements going to change that perspective of myself now that I'd realized I was proud of myself? And the answer was no. So did I need any more success to consider my swimming career successful? No. That's a huge realization. Um, The other thing to come off the back of that is that I realized if I knew that about myself, I'd also lost that 1% of hunger Mm. that is so important in a race won and lost by a hundredth of a second. I'd lost that 1% of hunger to have success again. Mm. So a lot of realizations in this one training session that went, okay, you've got six months. This is going to be your last competition, these Commonwealth Games, and you're going to put absolutely everything into it so that you finish at the top of your game. You get to do it under, you get to walk away under your choice um, Mm. at the right time, knowing that it's the right time for you, 
knowing that you've done everything possible to get everything out of this, uh, that it's your choice and you're ready. You're ultimately ready because nothing that you do from here on forward is going to change the fact that you're proud of yourself. So I was very lucky that I got to walk away when it was right for me Yeah, at my choice. And I think that was the biggest um, successful component of my transition. I also had something to go straight into and that was TV. So I was very lucky that I was sponsored by Channel 9 for uh, quite a few years when I swam and um, <laughs> it just so happened that, uh, you know, the head of sport at Channel 9 who had signed me and he he said, you know, what are you going to do when you hang up the togs? And I said, oh, I've got no idea. <laughs> and, you know, he said, well, what did you like when you're at school? If you hadn't have been a swimmer, what would you have done? And I said, well, my strengths at school were English. I love reading. I love writing. I love vocabulary. I think I can tell a story quite, quite well. I can talk underwater with a mouthful of marbles. So, um, <laughs> I, you know, I like that side of it. He went, yeah, we can work with that. When you hang up the togs, come and see me. We'll find you a job. And um, he did. So, you know, I, I walked into the Channel 9 Studios in Melbourne almost immediately after retiring from swimming and I thought that I would start off, you know, behind the scenes, script writing or doing something like that. And uh, I was just very lucky at that stage that media and TV was, they were willing to take a punt on new talent at that stage. So um, I worked on a heap of shows, whether it was the footy show, whether it was postcards, um, all different varieties all different types where I wasn't judged on how bad I was. I was more so it was, it was a chance to hone what my skills were. So I was mm. very fortunate that I walked in um, very naive and wide-eyed, but I knew straight away that I was in the right industry because what I loved about swimming was uh, getting up on the blocks. Um, I loved that feeling of being nervous. I knew nerves worked for me. I knew I needed butterflies in my stomach uh, to focus and channel that adrenaline. And that was the exact same feeling I got doing live TV. Crazy. So all of a sudden the thing that I was good at, really, that had been successful in my previous career was here and available to me in this chance at another career. So I knew I was in the right spot and I knew that I could, um, it was it was challenging and it was um, exciting. And probably the other thing, it was that every day was different. Whereas mm. I said, coming from the biggest challenge of every day was Groundhog Day in swimming, every day was different in media. So I had all these components that were just like, this is the right decision. You've made the right decision. This is not comfortable, but it's it's the right place for you to be. Yeah. I love that. And thank you for sharing that story. You gave me goosebumps. Like, <laughs> I can see that there's still some emotion for you, you know, yes. in that story. Like there's so much power in realizing that you're proud of yourself. That's just so beautiful. Yes. And, and, you know, I think perhaps that, well, I know, like in terms of knowing you just a little bit, perhaps that has helped to anchor you into, mm. you know, who you are and in your success and to just retain this like real genuine authenticity that that is you and your genuine curiosity about people and interest um, in others that, of course, 
feeds into your success as you know as a as a presenter as an MC. You know, I, I remember meeting you for the first time when we were at the Care Super event yeah. and you were just like it's just like I'd known you. <laughs> and yeah, you've just got this ability to connect with people. So uh, I think I love I, I love people. I love mm. people. And you understand, and that's the reason why you're doing this podcast, that everyone has a story. Every single person on this planet has a story. Even if they mm. don't think they have a story, they have a story. And it's just a matter of half the time listening to that story and letting people tell their story where you learn things about yourself during that interaction. And I'm the type of person that talks to cab drivers, Uber drivers, you know, the people, person I sit next to on the plane. And um, I think just a general interest in what makes people tick Mm. is um is so empowering for yourself because as i mm. said you, you you take away something from every interaction that you have and so yeah. every opportunity is a chance to grow your own knowledge base about people and humanity and the world and how we coexist um mm. more than ever before so to say that um i love my job because it allows me to do that on a daily basis is an understatement completely yeah. Yeah, well, you are bloody good at it, girl. So you're, you're incredible. You're an inspiration. And, um, yeah, I just, just, as I say, I just love that you just ooze that authenticity that is just you. And it's so attractive. And, of course, you know, there's confidence in there, which is incredibly attractive as well. So, yeah. Thank you. So, I have to work at that. And I think most people have to work at that as well. And mm. the fact that um, I certainly have moments of, anxiety i have moments where i go oh today's the day they're going to figure out that i'm a fraud uh <laughs> today's the day they figure out i'm actually no good at what i i do and i think we wouldn't be human if we didn't have that um and i think that i, I decided on very I decided very early on in in my media career i not so much in the swimming career in the media career i decided that okay if i'm going to do this i'm not an actress i've got no acting ability whatsoever so and it was actually Sam Newman, funnily enough, who, um, again, I had a light bulb moment with where Sam Newman, I was doing an interview on the, on the AFL footy show and Sam Newman, uh, said, uh, I was very new to TV and he said, what are you scared of? And I said, oh, I'm just scared of saying something stupid or da da da. He goes, okay, I'm going to tell you something. Remember this. No matter what you do in TV, no matter what you do, 50% of your audience are going to love you and 50% of your audience are going to hate you. But your 50% of your audience that hates you, if you're authentic and you're real, the 50% that hate you are actually going to be a lot more loyal because they want to be watching when you stuff up. <laughs> oh, I don't know how that would make me feel. <laughs> so you can take that either way. Yeah. You can take that either way. But, um, you know, the fact that he said, and it's very true, it, it, the whole pre preface of that discussion was that, no, not everyone is going to like you. It's impossible for everyone to like you. And it's impossible yeah. Yeah. that, you know, for you to have that expectation that everyone's going to like you. It's also impossible to have that expectation that you're going to be word perfect. This is live TV, remember, not pre-recorded. Live TV, it is impossible to be word perfect and say the right thing and do the right thing every time that you're on it. But it's how you deal with when you make a mistake or say something wrong that shows you true character. 
And yeah. so one of the first things I did on TV was um, uh, the weather on the Today Show, filling in for Stevie Jacobs while he was, uh, you know, over the Christmas break. And it was the best thing that I could have done because it was at, you know, the worst time in the morning, early morning. Um, funnily enough, I'm not a morning person. So <laughs> all right. Even all those years of mornings, I hate, still to this day, hate early mornings. But I had to learn, you know, um, how to learn about a subject very quickly and be able to discuss it succinctly. I had to learn how to, uh, you know, be excited and under very strange circumstances, sometimes you're freezing your butt off, sometimes it's boiling hot, sometimes mm. the person you're interviewing um, gets stage fright and you have to make up for it. I had to learn all those things on the fly and it was yeah. the perfect training ground. But um, as I said, I certainly uh, – I have become the thing that I try to tell everyone, especially when I talk to young kids, especially when I talk to people that are changing careers or going through a transition, is that magic happens when you're outside of your comfort zone. Nothing magical ever happens when we are playing it safe. It's just not we we are, as humans are designed to challenge ourselves, and that's where we grow. That's how we grow. And so every time you think, oh, this feels a little scary. I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. What if I make a fool of myself? Oh, my goodness, what am I doing? How do I do this? That's almost you knowing you're doing the right thing yeah. because it is outside of your comfort zone, which means that is your area for growth and that is where you're going. your magic is going to happen. And every time I have stepped outside of my comfort zone where I've done something that I wasn't quite sure I was capable of, the magic has happened. And I learnt that from swimming career and it transitioned and almost grew in a media career to say you've got to have a crack and you've got to back yourself. It's not going to work every time, but the majority of times it will work and it will teach you something that will leapfrog to another opportunity. So yeah. if there's ever a chance to step outside your comfort zone, take it and almost become comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah, I love that. Such a powerful message for everybody, regardless of who you are, what you do. Exactly. Such a huge message in that. Yeah, thanks, Gian. So let's talk about life now. <laughs> because life pre-COVID for you was super hectic. You were Ooh. on planes a lot. <laughs> There was lots of sporting events happening. There was lots of events that yep. you emceed and you're ambassador for and you're, you're a huge advocate for your chosen charities. So now your life in particular has very much been turned on its head and you are, you're grounded, you're mm. at home, you're homeschooling. <laughs> um, so, oh, my God. Yes. Yep. What have you taken from this time of almost forced reflection yeah. um, that you you will take into life, into the next phase of whatever this looks like? Oh, Julie, I feel like there's 28 different ways I could answer this question. They'd <laughs> <laughs> all be completely different. Um, yes, as you said, I my life has there, there is not one aspect of my life now that is the same before COVID-19. There's not one aspect that is the same mm -hmm. um, in terms of everything. And there's been a lot of uh, 
probably uncomfortable truth that I've had to face as well about my life before and what do I want to what what does my new normal look like will my my life ever go back to how it was before probably not uh and I think that's the same for a lot of people or most people and what parts of my old normal do I actually want in this new life uh this new normality so to be really, really honest, I have spent more time with my two children, uh, Xander, who is six, and Lexi, who is three this month, than I ever have before. Um, mm. Probably worth noting that, you know, in the world of media, uh, I, there was no such thing as maternity leave for me. I was back at work 12 weeks after Xander was born and in a better state uh, with Lexi. I, I was more um, master of my own destiny after her birth. But I also know that uh, when you are your own brand and when you work for lots of different companies, uh, the opportunities that arise, you have to take them there and then because if you don't, someone else does. And as I said, I, I've been very honest about the amount of things that I've done in my life where I've done something and three things have come off the back of whatever happened at, at that opportunity. So. I've never really, um, I've never really been a full-time mother, and I always really, honestly knew that I wasn't cut out to be a full-time mother. Even you know before I was pregnant with my first child, the discussions with Sam, my husband, was always going to be that I wanted to return to work, I needed to work, and working for me um, entailed being away one night a week or as you mentioned traveling I, I was on a plane every week usually multiple planes every week mm. and I got to step away from being a mother multiple times every week and that made me a better mother I believed because it gave me a chance to miss my children mm. it gave me a chance to uh not have those frustration levels of when you are with them all the time and your patient your patience wears out and you uh you feel stuck and unchallenged and I didn't have that because I had my job which fulfilled me in such an amazing way and challenged me in such an amazing way so that when I did come home to my kids it was quality time where I was all in and where I had fulfilled I had filled up my bucket over yes. here yeah. You know, and then I could have the the ability to fill up their bucket. So take away all of that, and then throw in, as you mentioned, homeschooling. Um, throw in the fact that I I I don't have any of this work environment which challenges me and makes me use my brain and adult conversations and things like that that I I love and need. Um, it's been a really big learning curve and I certainly, uh, I can't say that I've loved every moment, but it has also taught me a lot about my children and what I, what I need and what they need more importantly, um, from me as a mum. And so it's, it has been a blessing in disguise. I don't know about the homeschooling thing because Xander couldn't wait to go back to school because <laughs> every day it was, you're not my teacher. That's not how we do it at school. That's not what Miss Simpson does. And I was like, I know, buddy. I know. 
Don't worry. I get this more than you do. I am not a teacher. I am not cut out to be doing this with you. And then have a, you know, a nearly three-year-old crawling on you at the same time, wondering why she's not the centre of attention and wanting to draw on the school books and all the rest of it at the same time. I was um, absolutely uh, challenged and out of my comfort zone more than I ever have been in my entire life. So, and I'll be very honest, I'll, I'll always say that um, having kids is my greatest challenge. Children and raising children is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And that was before COVID-19. <laughs> so this, um, this has definitely, uh, it's taught me a lot and some things I, I, I haven't liked, to be completely honest, um, you know, that I, I probably am not proud of the fact that I needed and enjoyed leaving my children every week, you know, for a period of time. But it was also the best way I knew how to keep all the balls in the air and mm. keep my bucket filled up as well as everyone else's um, bucket filled up. So I've certainly taken a bit of a back seat over this time. I, as I said, I don't know. Um, when your job entails travel and events as its core components, I don't know when or if my life will ever uh, return to how it was, and I'm probably now okay with that. I wasn't at the start. I was mm. terrified uh, because I loved my job and I loved my existence before, but now this has really given me an opportunity to uh, reevaluate, look at what I want my life to look at going forward and what components that I that weren't working or that I didn't like can I change now and mm. so I think I'm very grateful in the fact that everyone is going through this same transition process at the same time when I came out of the swimming into that first transition big transition of my life it was me doing it on my own whereas now I feel like we're this is the collective. We're all going through a transitioning process and we're yeah. all learning at the same time. So we have a real opportunity to help each other out and to um, learn from each other about how people are doing it well and how people maybe aren't doing it so well and how we can, uh, how we can move forward and see this as a huge positive with mm. growth. Yes, that's the important thing, isn't it, with growth yes. on the other side because you're, <laughs> you're certainly not alone in terms of the challenges with homeschooling. You know, my friends tell me they're trying to homeschool their kids and yeah. the daughter's just rolling around on the chair. You know, you're not my teacher, Mum. Like, yeah, exactly. she knows that too. So, yeah, yeah the dynamic. <laughs> yeah, the dynamic is just not there. But like you say, um, to come out of this with, um, the power of knowledge and then to be able to experience the growth from this is going to be something that, that will serve others if they choose to go that way. Of course, we all have a choice in how we respond to these things. So Exactly. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, Gian, it's been such a wonderful pleasure in speaking with you today and I could continue and ask you so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> I respect your time and the fact that you've given up your time for me today and our listeners. So I really appreciate it. And this, this podcast is called Making It Count. And it's been so wonderful to speak to someone who is absolutely making it count in her life and for the lives of her family and um, husband and those around her, but absolutely in terms of those who you touch as well and meet in your, in your, in your life. So thank you so much.
Oh, thank you for having me, Julie. As I said, love to have a chat and I love um, people being able to have the opportunity to listen to an incredible podcast and take something away. And so, you know, as I said before, my final piece of advice, which I'm relearning exactly as I just spoke about right now, is that magic happens when you're outside your comfort zone. So I am learning to be comfortable again with being uncomfortable in this new normal. So uh, there you go. You never stop learning. That's right. And powerful words, especially as we're heading into more uncertainty. So thank you so much, Diane, and um, have a wonderful uh, rest of your day. And I'll speak to you soon. Thanks so much, Julie. Thanks for listening. And I hope that you have gained some great ideas and feel inspired to get out there and make what you do count for your leadership, your business, and your life. Please do leave a review for this podcast and please share it with your network. Send any feedback or suggestions for future guests by emailing me, julie at juliehide.com.au. For now, let's get out there and make it count.